just because something maybe doesn't fit in the moment in time, or maybe it just seems like it's a newer thing for the community that you're in, doesn't mean it's not going to work. It just means sometimes that you have to be the one to try and you don't necessarily need a bigger company or a bigger entity to represent you. All that matters is you just find some people that this is going to work for and you help them. <laughs> if they have a change, then you're doing something good. <laughs> you know, It doesn't need to be more complicated, but you don't know that until you try it. Hey, this is Jason Tonioli. I'm a piano player that grew up believing it wasn't possible to earn a living and support a family with music. I've proven that idea was wrong and have met hundreds of other people who have found success with their music. This podcast features stories of musicians who have found their own personal version of success and fulfillment in both music and life. This podcast is meant to inspire musicians and help them believe in their abilities and motivate them to share their talents with others. This is the Successful Musicians Podcast. Well, welcome to the podcast today. We're excited to have you join us. Today, our guest is Michael Averill from Canada, and we've just been chatting a little bit right before this. And as I was doing research, Michael, on you, some of the comments that you've had people that people have said about you is that you're the Willy Wonka of songwriting coaches. I've seen that you've been called the Pied Piper quality to you, where you just have a natural ability to kind of help people to have a desire to learn music or songwriting. You've walked over 4,000 miles across Canada, which is must be incredible as long as it wasn't in the middle of the winter with polar bears, right? Tell us a little bit about yourself and tell people a little bit more where you come from. Yeah, it's been a quite an adventure. And actually, funny enough, there was most of the walking I did was in warmer weather seasons, but there's one part of Canada that I specifically wanted to go in dead winter that is actually very north, Northwest Territories. There's a, there's a place called Yellowknife. That in March, actually in and around this time uh, we're coming into here, that they run a festival, music festival and culture festival that literally is held in a giant ice castle. They spend months, the community spends months building this structure and it's incredible. There's ice sculptures and whatnot. And, and when I found out about it, it's called the Snow King Festival. I like, I have to go during that time and I have to see what that's like. And it was amazing. So yeah, that was a really special walking expedition, but yeah, most of it was pretty warm weather. <laughs> so how did you end up getting into the music business? You know, as a kid, did you say, I want to be doing music or how did that work out? Kind of accidentally in a way, I was way more into sports and video games when I was younger, really involved with a lot of different sports, particularly basketball. I was always a good runner and that evolved eventually to finding track and field and the more I kind of hung around just through the school systems of having the sports that you did there. And then eventually through some of the local city clubs, I really found a good groove in that space, not just in the sport of doing the act, but in the community of it, particularly the Kelowna where I'm from and where I actually am back living now. The city club was a really interesting mixture of multi-generational people. So like they're kids just learning to do this kind of stuff for very, very young to people in their 70s and everything in between. And I always loved that atmosphere of being around it. And so where music didn't really start coming in for me playing it until I was just coming out of elementary school, going into high school, where my brother was really into learning guitar. And my dad wrote songs. He was an elementary school teacher, but he'd been writing songs and singing for years and years. And that goes way back in his family. 
yeah, when my brother got into it, most of the time, my older brother, I just kind of followed along and did whatever he did, <laughs> whether that be sports or whether that be games or whether that be whatever. And so he started learning stuff and he would just show me how to do it. And that was kind of my learning cycle for a while. And my dad just eventually bought us an electric guitar. And that was a really, really awesome growth into like what felt just like absolute power <laughs> to be able to plug into a guitar and play like rockin' tunes that we loved listening to. So it just slowly evolved out of just pure joy. And my brother was so good at figuring out songs. He would just mostly do it by ear or reading tabs and then just show me. And that was great for a lot of years until he moved out. And then my holy learning source disappeared and I didn't really know what to do. <laughs> I would learn just slowly through myself and a couple of friends I had in high school. We had this little underground. We would learn guitar songs by ear and just try to solve them. And when I would work on one, another friend would work on other and then we'd show each other. That's all I did for a lot of years is just that. And I didn't ever think about music as a career. It was just really fun. That was kind of my crossword puzzle or Sudoku or whatever. It's like it's so satisfying when you can solve a song without necessarily help. It may not sound the exact same, but that's also kind of the benefit of the evolution of sound is <laughs> everyone's trying to emulate other people and maybe not quite getting it exactly, but then somewhere your style evolves in that. So that was always a lot of fun. And when I came into, when I went to college, I left Kelowna to go to Vancouver for college. And in that experience where I just started meeting a lot more people and, and I took a guitar with me and more people started finding out that I played and I didn't sing at that time and I wasn't writing anything. But I was noticing just in residence, they had open mics and really comfortable, cozy spaces, like just in the lounges where most of the people are in their PJs and having tea and hot chocolate. This is great. This is actually a perfect scenario. And I loved watching it. And then it wasn't very long before friends that I lived with, neighbors were just like, you should try. You should try playing and doing that thing. And it took a while, took about a year of encouragement for me to get up and try something. But I did. And I did it with people that I lived around. And that was really special because I don't think I probably would have done it otherwise. And it just kept evolving from there. It just like, I think when you keep having positive experience from something, it's like, oh, this ain't so bad. Maybe I'll do it again. And it just kind of keeps growing and you share. And I think that goes for a lot of things. Then it, you give something the chance to be impactful to others. And thus, sometimes opportunities to do it again come up. So started getting opportunities to maybe play at different places, like some of the local pubs or local cafes or just with other artists. And that just started getting me out and about. But even just finding the clubs on campus, like there was a guitar club that I showed up to, not really knowing what to expect. But I met a really great friend who became a great friend, a guy from France, who helped me learn so much about how to solo and how to play along, how to jam. And through that, that kind of led to my first songs, like my first writings of songs through this club. They really encouraged me to, after spending some time with them, be a part of the organizing committee, which by doing that meant I had to teach something which then I thought, dang, I got to learn something to teach. <laughs> what am I going to teach? I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, that most of the things that I do in life, I didn't really do out of my own decisions. <laughs> I was kind of just prompted with people saying, hey, do you want to do this? I think you'd be good at that. Or why don't you try this? Or you should do that, which is unique to reflect on. It was not one of these kids that came into the world with a maraca in hand or singing whatever. Like that definitely took some time. <laughs> Interesting. Coming from the sporting world, I think it's, it provides a whole different perspective too. Sometimes those experiences we have really add into the flavor of what comes out in your music oftentimes, which is, I'm sure you've seen that as you've evolved as a musician over the last several years. 
with people. So you're doing these songwriting courses and people are coming to you and I suppose asking you, you know, how do I write songs or how do I find inspiration? Tell me more about these classes that you found that, you know, where do you really excel as a musician teacher? Just like an athlete, where do you feel like is your superpower in that realm? I think just making things fun for people. Lots of stuff happens in our lives that in pretty pivotal ways. Music is one of those things. I think exercise is one of those things where at young ages, often those who carry on with it have had good experiences and those who don't felt really bad at one point or someone made them Mm -hmm. feel really bad or they had some experience that just they don't ever want to revisit. So I learned a lot of this from the personal training world when I was in that world that a lot of the people that would come to me were the people that didn't want to be there or they hated exercise or like the traditional idea of what exercise should be or could be. So it was always kind of up to me to to find out these other ways. And I always love games and trying to make things interesting. I've always loved that about performances and shows, being a performer too, that the performance, the experience of being at a show for audience is fun. And that's memorable, you know, like maybe making the audience do ridiculous things or fun things or have to talk to other people. They're going to remember that, but not just for the sake of that, they're going to remember it. But maybe if I can help them get out of their comfort zone a little bit, they'll see that it actually doesn't have to be a bad experience. It can be good. And so I started doing that a lot with musicians, particularly. And I just was watching one of your videos where you were at a concert. And it said something about how you, at the end of it all, you just invited a bunch of students or people who were up on stage to jam, to do like an improv jam. And it wasn't rehearsed. It was just something that we're just going to get up in front of all these people and play a song. And for a lot of musicians, that's terrifying. It's terrifying even when you're the one doing it too. (laughs) Which is great. I think that's such a magical thing to undergo and to welcome others into. And I think that particularly is somewhere where I really jived with musicians first is learning to jam because I was always terrified of it too. I never knew how to enter it. And like, there's always the thing, if anyone's ever been in a jam who's listening with at a phase of time, you don't know how to speak that language. And a lot of the circles, it feels like everybody knows and no one's really willing to tell you how it's you either do or you don't. When there's that awful moment where someone's like, Jason, solo time. You're like, no, like that's so Where's where's my sheet music? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I had that experience, but then I also toured for a little while with a band who are so good at this. I just really just being in the moment and letting music unfold on stage. And they taught me so much about how to do that. And I learned a lot from watching them and playing with them that it led to this cool sequence of events of like studying with Victor Wooten in Nashville and like learning more about his methods through like the music lesson and that book because there's so many other ways of looking at how to do that. And so I started exploring it and wanted to start teaching other people, not teaching, but just just providing space where it could be safe for people to explore that and to try screwing up and making mistakes and realize like, How do you actually work out of those? How can those be the cool things? You know, like that's magic. And when you can do that, you can do anything. Like it really changes this whole idea of having to be perfect and embraces the whole concept that perfect's not the goal. You know, it's like, it's just having your radar open for those little freak weird things that weren't planned that if you can embrace and then utilize, they don't sound like mistakes. It's like mistakes usually only appear to be mistakes in isolation, but if they're repeated <laughs> musically, they actually sound like they're meant to be there and they're very unique and they're very special. So anyway, I found a love of, for my own sake of just enjoying the power and like just the excitement that came from really being able to like matrix, there is no spoon, anything in the moment, and then be able to sit there with other people and at least have them try it to see if they had the same experience. 
and they would. And so anyway, like just seeing that, it started making me think differently, especially actually some of my background being a trainer. I worked in a lot of areas in that industry that were very high, high service, like kind of modeled of like a five-star hotel. And it was really modeled around paying attention to all the details and very much about experience and all these things. And I was able to transfer a lot of that to music in terms of the experience. And a lot of musicians I've found haven't really come at it that way. And so we just, again, making it fun and making it clear that creating those kinds of experiences and really just allowing your own personality, the space to shine through is much more effective for everybody. It's more fun, but it also impacts more strongly on the audiences, which again, if you're looking at different forms of success, as this podcast talks about, if you are looking at career-based kinds of things, when people generally support you longer and more the better they know you and the better that they feel, the more they feel impacted emotionally and so on and so forth. And that only happens by you going to those places. <laughs> right. It's a funny thing and hard to sometimes arrive at because we often don't feel, especially as solo songwriters, that we have the safety to do that without being criticized or without, you know, and a lot of industry stuff is like, none of that, can't do this, can't do that. And those voices come up. So I'm kind of the antithesis of that. <laughs> I'm the other way around. I'm like, try it all. Like, what did you think about that? I love providing spaces for people not to be told what's good or bad, but to just have to express their stories and how they feel about it. Like, why are you playing it? Why did you choose those chords? Why are you saying those words? Does that feel like you? Like, I can say I'm feeling good a certain way, but like, how do you say it in your family? Like, embrace that. I think the music industry, at least the traditional learn piano or learn guitar, especially piano and the classical, you know, piano teacher, a lot of us have started with, you're taught to read off of a page and you pass the song off when you're good enough, right? Or get it perfect. And even with the competitions, did you play it exactly the way Beethoven wrote it and, or whoever it was? And I think it's fantastic to master songs. So I'm not knocking that world, but I think there's a lot of incredibly talented classical piano players or even musicians that if you pull the music away from them, they don't know what to do. I remember a story one time that I heard back in high school and I'm trying to remember where I heard it, but essentially it was somebody that had been kind of a judge at, a, I think it was Gina Bakauer Piano Festival. So a big piano competition. And they had this student that I think they were from Japan or China. I'm not sure exactly where it was, but the person stopped him and said, I want you to stop for a second. I want you to picture clouds up in the sky. And I want you to play it like those clouds would feel and sound. And that student who knew the song inside and out was just, it kind of just brought them to, they didn't know what to do. And I think we pulled that emotional you know, it's kind of like that fifth dimension, fifth sense, extra sense that I think somehow you've got to be able to find that as a musician to find the emotion. And all of a sudden it just opens up worlds to you. I do think it's a shame that a lot of people start down, don't even know how to encourage it or teach it or tell you it's even okay because you don't pass the song off if you don't play it well enough. Right. And I think it's interesting where you're coming from that coaching or health and fitness. I'm sure that's given you a very unique perspective in helping people try and find the joy in the music versus just lifting the weight or just playing the note on the page, right? Totally. And I can recognize too that I have had the fortunate benefit of I didn't learn that way. Like I didn't have that experience. I didn't have people saying you have to do it this way or it's wrong or like you can't do that. Like my parents, first of all, were very, they just held that space open. It was just there. And they never said stop playing. My brother and I'd be rocking out on loud on an electric guitar all night long. And they'd be like, fine. Even though I know it, <laughs> it got to them after a while, 
They still wouldn't say it. They'd still just allow that space. So from all the people I've talked to that haven't had that freedom, it kind of sucks to learn about. In some ways, I'm just like, whoa, it took me a bit to realize that, wow, that my experience is not a lot of people's experience. A lot of people have had this like closed door or their toes stepped on in a way that's painful. So learning kind of more delicate communication around how do you recover from that and how do you reform a new perspective on that or like help create the space for that to happen again. And it's slow. It can be real slow, but it's worth it. It's really amazing to see somebody who overcomes something like that and feels like they can have music back in their lives in a way that is positive and oftentimes Whatever they were trying to do before starts happening because now they actually really feel a good peace with it and then they find their way in it. Yeah, I can't think of anything better to be able to do. If you can do, that's all you need. <laughs> well, I've heard if you read the books or you watch influencers, the ones that really seem to get the traction, I think you find that people with their, they're willing to share their imperfections and share their scars, share their things that are hard for them. Those individuals seem to have much, many more people that are excited about, you feel like you're more like them. And I think people are more prone to follow them. But I think the same is true on the music side when the fact that you embrace a mistake, you know, I've been at concerts where I've played completely bad notes and it's been very obvious and you just laugh with everybody else. And uh, there's been times I've actually made a mistake in the first song on purpose just to get it out, just really screw it up really bad. I've done a thing for piano teachers. The guy that wasn't a very good piano student and never really excelled at being perfect you know, I'll just screw up in that first song and I'll stop and I'll look at him and say, there, I've got it out. I'm going to just tell you I make mistakes and I know you do too. That self all of a sudden just endears the audience to the fact like, oh my gosh, I can be like, I'm more like that person than anybody realized. And so I think at some point as a musician, you've got to recognize it's okay to screw up. And some of those mistakes are the very best, where the best songs and best experiences even come from. Yeah. Good life lesson there. You know, it's not everyone makes the thing, you know, makes the mistake. I'm not sure who said this, but I think I heard it first from Victor was there's no right or wrong notes, right resolutions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, what do you do after that? What happens because of that or as a result of that? Or how do you how do you move through that? That's really amazing to watch. That's often where that moment of endearing and connection, I think, happens. It's because when it happens, everyone's like, <gasps> there's kind of a breath hold moment. But seeing it demonstrated how it can be handled gracefully or it actually can maybe lead into somewhere that wouldn't you wouldn't have been able to go to otherwise that feels better or maybe it's more empowering to think about trying it for yourself as potentially what could happen. Right. Which is very cool. It's super cool, but it's risky. I know you've coached probably hundreds of people over the years, if not probably pushing into the thousands. As you look at some of those experiences, is there any specific experience that's been extra special for you that maybe impacted you. You know, you changed somebody's life or helped somebody, but it really kind of got to you where you realized, wow, I'm that was awesome. You got anything that comes to mind that you could share with us? Yeah. Particularly in the last two and a half years, the workshops that I started in 2011 have evolved and Write Songs You Love is relatively new as an idea, but it's been really cool to have it more focused into really helping artists get deeper into themselves. And while there's several, there's a couple of particular ones that are coming to mind right now that are happening right now, where some of the artists that have been coming through, one particular goes by the name of Senua. And they're based in Western Canada and have Chinese-Canadian background mixture. And their whole project that they've been working on over the last bit that I feel honored to be able to witness and just see it develop has been about exploring that as an entity, like a whole pathway of their culture 
its involvement in Canada and the foundations of like the development of this country and just the different uh, cultural conflicts and collaborations and racial things that have happened and like giving light to that story and that way, but particularly within their own family and like how that has looked across many generations to how that is showing up now and doing that. So the way that this project has developed has been really cool to watch because it's just come through in such a, a unique way that isn't just music. And I don't mean that lightly, like there's music, but it's also like turning into a theater performing piece and like just a very, very interesting galvanizer of a big discussion and a difficult discussion sometimes, but utilizing the music. And it's been so cool. So I think that there's an experience like that to one other has really discovered more about their method of delivery and really looking at talking about, I guess, breaking traditions of, hey, I write music, I make CD, I make whatever form and put it out. It's like this other person and ended up doing things from like making and actually have them with me here. Yeah, the artist's name is Diane Barbara. She has gone through this thing of like making books out of her stuff. And she developed this whole process of almost like an expressive arts kind of healing situation of doing having a system of how you can arrive at songs. And it's like she would do these blind pencil sketches to then doing these pastel paintings to that generating lyrics and then that generating songs. And then she put this whole thing together. And every one of these has a little QR code so you can hear the song that goes with this whole thing. So like just watching different forms of music be delivered and executed, like this is something too that she did with another artist, a hairstylist. Calendar. A calendar that has not just songs on them, but stories from the person who took these pictures. And they ended up using this whole project as a fundraiser for the Indigenous Fashion Week show that happens in Vancouver in the end of November. And like, this is what I mean. It's like just seeing these kinds of projects come up and what they're for and what they open up in terms of the different artists is such a treat. And it happens all the time now. <laughs> and I feel like this is amazing. I couldn't imagine doing this kind of stuff when I first decided I was going to do music full time, but it feels like the best, the best stuff I've ever been able to be part of. If you were in front of a younger you, or let's say you're in front of a group of college kids that are kind of on that fence of, do I want to do music? Do I not want to do music? What advice would you, do you give to those kids? There's a couple of things. I think the main one is to actually put your ideas into action as opposed to just leaving them in idea land. Because the funny thing, you know, even me being here today and talking with you, when I first started trying to do workshops and this kind of stuff, I got a lot of no's. I was trying to just offer music schools this program. We're just an idea where creating this space where artists could come in and work on their performances, like their actual live ways of how they connect to their audiences. And to me, it seemed like everything and like no one was really doing that in Canada. And I had learned a lot from Tom Jackson and other people in the States who touched base on that kind of stuff. And like nobody wanted it. Everyone was just like, nope, 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 nope. Wouldn't even take me as a volunteer person. I remember even with my music and the ideas that I was trying to do with my walking tour and doing that kind of stuff. And I was trying, I'm thinking like, this would be really great for applying to the cultural heritage grants or stuff like this. And a lot of people are like, nope, nope, nope. That's not going to happen. That probably won't happen. So all of these things, there's a lot of major, major things that I have done now that I got a lot of no's to or just a lot of shutdowns. That's probably not a great idea that I found other ways of doing them. And now, ironically, are the, well, and then the last, I would say, five, six years are the same things I'm being invited to speak about. 
<laughs> a lot of these things that others didn't want have been the building blocks of where I've been able to have a full-time career for over 10 years in the music industry. But you don't know that. You don't, you know, like just because something maybe doesn't fit in the moment in time, or maybe it just seems like it's a newer thing for the community that you're in doesn't mean it's not going to work. It just means sometimes that you have to be the one to try and you don't necessarily need a bigger company or a bigger entity to represent you. It's just you, all that matters is you just find some people that this is going to work for and you help them. <laughs> if they have a change, then you're doing something good. <laughs> you know, It doesn't need to be more complicated, but you don't know that until you try it. It's better to just try something as opposed to doubt if it's going to work or not. So that's a big one there. The other one, there's the second one that comes to mind is just invest in your audience. That never gets talked about. What it means to nurture the people that are there and to include and to welcome and to support and make stuff for them, you know, like depending on what you're doing, I guess it doesn't really matter. But like as a musician, like I loved writing songs. I would always ask people like, what kind of thing do you need to hear to like get through your day? You know, like what would make things better right now? And then I would get a list of people like saying what they wanted like these lines on social media. And then I would make those songs and just be like, here you go. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I hope your day's better. Yeah, there's a big drive to try to have huge amounts of people like fans and listeners and all that kind of stuff on your socials and all those things. But if you can do that kind of level of connection with your audience, then that will be way stronger than just those numbers alone of people that you don't know. I don't know. I've always had all of my stuff, I could say all of my successor or anything that's come positively has been from just really trying to provide good experiences and uplifting experiences to the few people that are in my circle <laughs> and like spending that time. And when the, well, more come, more will come, but you don't have to be in a rush for numbers. I love what you're saying there is the success that you've felt really comes from the, the long-term success and joy that I can see just from listening to you comes from that fulfillment. You get this fulfillment factor from helping and really being close with somebody else versus a whole bunch of thousands of people that say they like you that really don't know who you are or aren't really in could care less what you're doing near as valuable as the, let's say you only had a dozen people. Those dozen fans are way more valuable than a thousand people who just clicked a thumbs up or something on you. And you'll feel the fulfillment factor of knowing you made a difference is much bigger with those. But And I think as I look at artists that I know that have gone big, typically it's because they have been able to connect with that audience at a personal level in some way first. And then they are lucky enough. I and mean, that's when it grows. So I think that's fantastic advice. I've got another question for you. I know you do a lot of song coaching and I'm sure you've had artists that come to you with writer's block or they're like, oh, I can't do this. What advice do you have for people who are, are maybe in a slump or struggling and feel like they can't get this? Maybe that's not writing music isn't for them. What do you tell those people? Actually, it's funny. I put up posts about, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> it was very simple. It was just like writer's block. Do you believe in it? If so, why? <laughs> If not, why? <laughs> and it was one of the biggest discussion threads I think I've ever had. And it's just, it's a funny one to watch. And there are a lot of opinions on it. And for me, I don't think it has anything to do with your creativity or your writing at all. Like for me, it's usually more, or I've noticed anyways, it's more illustrating or illuminating of, of something really emotionally difficult going on. So it could be any number of things, but it may be that if you're trying to write a song, I can say this is the only time I've ever really felt this, as I wasn't sure if I had a writer's block scenario, but I started working on a song that was more of a serious, the most difficult songs I've ever worked on, and it had to do with the topic of, of suicide, which is very, very, very challenging with some experiences that I had with people in my community and family. And like, 
it was coming out in a way in a song which felt like the only way I could really process in any kind of any fashion and I've never had this experience since but it was almost as if I couldn't write any other songs until that one got finished and it was hard it was just emotionally hard to process and I actually couldn't do it on my own it went on so long that I anytime I tried to do anything else it just didn't really work and when I'd come back to this one it would start kind of nudging along but I actually signed myself up that summer in another songwriting workshop that I had to drive like 14 hours to get to that I spent a week I went there because one of my songwriting main songwriting mentors was going to be teaching there and I thought maybe this is something I can just present to this other group and if I get nothing out of this entire trip and this whole like week there I would just want to finish that song it was a hard one to share with other people too and I think it was just a fear it was a fear of like really feeling that stuff and so Going there and sharing it and then having some coaching on it and just other people's perspectives on it really helped me because I didn't feel like I had perspective on it. I didn't know enough about it. So having more of that frequency, that community and that new information helped me finish it to the point where then I could then perform it in the festival as part of this thing. And that felt huge. And then as soon as that happened, everything kind of came back again. It actually came back stronger. So I don't know. I think if you're ever feeling like you're stuck that way, it's good to look at like what else is going on like that has nothing to do with your writing. It's like what's going on in your life or it's a topic that you're thinking about writing that is bringing up more difficulty than you think it might be. Uh, and I'm sure as you got through that, it was very therapeutic probably to, you know, and that song I'm sure means if you even do share it with other people, you connect with the audience with that song better than, than most that you even have, right? Yeah, it's a brave thing to do that creatively for just even if it's just for yourself, like if that helps that that's a great thing. But then to share something like that, I didn't share that song for about four years. I just sat where it needed to after that. And yeah, that's another decision of I didn't share it because I didn't feel I had the skills in a communication way to field the responses or mm -hmm. like to deal with the magnitude of what might come back from presenting on a topic like that. Whereas now I do, but it just took time. It took time to kind of sit with that and learn, which was again, it, songs can be so guiding. And I write songs you love thing, the heart that's in that is actually a compass. And I think like that's for a reason. Songs can really guide us into some very special places and particularly ones sometimes we don't want to go, but at least it's a bit of a nudge to explore. And you don't necessarily have to know what you're looking for, but I think just going in the direction of you wind up all the better for it and finding the answers maybe that you need. And that tends to take you into better places and new growth and evolution, which results in stronger songs. And stronger, I mean, by like, they're more meaningful for you. They feel more you. Absolutely. Last question I have for you. So as you look back on your career and even just with people you work with, what would you define as a successful musician if you were, had to write the definition of that based on your experiences? I guess the word that's coming into my mind is the lifelong musician. Like you're saying, I think when the problem that happens a lot in anything industry related or business related is it becomes dependent on or it can become dependent on the monetary side or if you achieved some status or if you played on a certain stage or if you got some award or blah, blah, blah. I think the successful thing is being able to have it in your life till you're dead, <laughs> like being able to carry it. I've met a lot of people through the walking tour that are in their 80s or they're, they're literally like involved and somehow still playing or writing something until their last days. And I think it's such an important language in the world. I think it's one of the strongest universal languages that we have. And for it to disappear or for people to leave it or quit, like you said this earlier too, from having an experience where they felt they didn't fit or they couldn't do it. 
that I find difficult to, to hear about or to see. And I think as long as that's something that can stay in someone's life and it can always bring them joy and healing and exploration or just expression, any of the things it can do that we all know are good, that's a major win. You know, like I just think of all the times I've had that music has kind of bailed me out of a lot of situations that I didn't feel I had skills to do, but somehow the songs did. <laughs> And they taught me so much. And I don't see that ever going away. And I think just having that faith in that, that that's going to be there forever. Even if I lose my hands and like whatever, I can't play an instrument, it doesn't matter. I think it's just that idea that you can always be doing something in there. And I think that commitment is the win. Whatever else comes is always bonus, you know? Absolutely. Well, Michael, I know we're about out of time, but appreciate you taking time to share. You definitely made me think today, which has been, I appreciate you taking that time to share with me and you know, with those who are listening. If you'd like to learn more about what Michael does, he's got a website, it's uh, writesongsyoulove.com, correct? Mm -hmm. And I believe you got a podcast with the same name, correct? Yep. And it's a weekly podcast and definitely go check that out. And if you're looking for ideas on songwriting, I think it's definitely, even for me where I'm writing, I write a lot of music, but uh, I think the more you, you surround yourself with people who have kind of similar values and can kind of bring the best out of you, it's going to help get you out of that funk or even take your music. You'll find new joy, I think, by more skill sets and more people around you to do that. So I encourage anybody out there who might be struggling to seek out people. And one thing I've realized, Michael, is in this music community, there are a lot of amazing people that are very, very willing to serve and give of their time. Even really high level people that you'd think, oh, they're untouchable. We're all human beings and more alike than I think most people think. So definitely, if you're one of those people that's looking for that mentor or find for help in that area, just reach out. It's easy to find people these days with Facebook and the internet. So Again, thank you. Go check out writesongsyoulove.com and catch you guys on the next one. Thanks for your time again, again Michael. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's Jason here, and I hope you've gotten a lot of value out of this episode. Be sure to check out our show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you'd like to support our podcast, there's a few things that you can do to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, it will help ensure that you don't miss a future episode. Second, if you'll share it with your friends on social media or send it via email or message, it helps us spread the word as well. And third, if you'll leave an honest review, it really helps with the algorithms so that other people can find our podcast. Finding success and fulfillment in the music industry is possible, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.